can I make it? Would it taste good? Would I like to make it? Those are the, <laughs> the really important questions too. Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by JEDCO, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. We continue to feature our borrowers this season. These are the small businesses that have used JEDCO's loan programs to start up, grow, expand, renovate, and achieve the next level of success in Jefferson Parish and beyond. This week, we feature an interview with Colleen Keough, founder of Kingfish Cider, the first cidery and tap room to open in Jefferson Parish. Just a few weeks ago, we celebrated the grand opening of this very cool micro distillery, which makes and sells several different types of hard apple and pear ciders. This is the first of its kind in Jefferson Parish and one of the few solely woman-owned alcohol makers in the U.S., In today's interview, you'll hear about how Colleen stumbled upon the hard cider industry, an industry that is pretty popular in other parts of the country, but not as much here in Louisiana. She loved the cider so much that she wanted to bring the concept home and Louisianify it. So she got to work, and in doing so, she needed some help. That's where Jedco comes in. Our team helped finance this project, and we also provided other assistance to Colleen, like parish interface and site selection support, as she went through the process of building a business from scratch. As with the last few episodes, we've invited Jennifer Laparouse, Jedco's amazing finance director, to fill us in on the details of this project. Kingfish uh, is an exciting project for us. Uh, it is, it's certainly something that was in the long time making And it was also something that was really a collaborative effort from all departments of JEDCO. Colleen worked with um, our EDS team on site selection. Uh, You know, we went through several challenging, I would say almost years to to find the right place for her. Um, And she's in the right place and it's fantastic. Um, And then the finance team, we did a JEDCO loan for her, for her, um, for her equipment purchase and working capital. And we're just really excited to see that uh, very cool business come to Jefferson Parish. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You will hear how Jennifer's team helped bring this project and many others to life throughout the season. In today's interview, Colleen and I talk about how she learned the art of cider making, what it means to see her business finally come to fruition after years of working on it, and why she chose the name Kingfish for her company. Colleen's determination, passion, love of history, and appreciation for all things Louisiana just shines through in this interview. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Well, Colleen, thank you so, so much for being on the Jefferson Parish Pulse. I am so excited to have you here. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm going to start with the the easiest question. I always like to kick off this question for with with all of our guests, which is, tell us about your business. What is this company all about? Kingfish Cider is a Louisiana cider company, which is a little different because we don't have apples here, and it's a little harder to do cider. Um, I'd only had national brands before and then noticed the, the craft boom, but, and got interested in uh, cider. 
and found out more about it, uh, apples and pears, though we supposedly do grow some pears in Louisiana. I'm experimenting with that right now, so we'll see, but really don't see um, a whole lot of variety of pear trees. I think many of them don't grow here, but um, certainly no apples. So I wanted to bring cider to Louisiana and make it as Louisiana as possible. Come to find out in the northern states, especially um, on the coastline or Michigan and those areas, but Washington State in particular and Seattle and Portland and all those good places, they, uh, I think they tend to, people grow up making cider like we might do home brewing here. So it's just such a common thing, but not common to us. It's just so great. And I just, when I found out about it, that the craft cider industry, I wanted to have that experience at home, especially now that traveling is kind of an issue still, but also to bring something a little different to the ball game um, and make it, like I said, like as Louisiana as possible, seeing as how the apples do have to come from up north. So I wanted to infuse them with local flavors such as Ponchatoula strawberries and we have blueberries in the area and just, you know, satsuma, uh, especially that's a Gulf Coast uh, fruit. That's something they don't have on us. So, you know, if we can combine the two and make something interesting and uh, something that you can't find anywhere else. And I wanted the beverages themselves to be very different than anywhere else, but also the space. And I wanted to kind of have the whole company surrounded around um, Louisiana and just kind of celebrate the era or what I think is uh, important to Louisiana. Um, the design of the place is centered around a lot of Louisiana's biggest industries are oil and gas uh, cars. And I think one of the most prominent um, figures, and to me what, I don't know, one of, if there could be a symbol for Louisiana other than the Catahoula or a Pelican, it would pro probably be Huey Long and the Long family. Um, some people call them the Kennedy of the Kennedys of the South. I mean, they've had such a long family history of <clears throat> being in um, prominent positions in Louisiana and served for so long and accomplished so much too. And we're very closely situated to the Huey P. Long Bridge, which um, I believe I read he was responsible for some uh, amazing amount of bridges and roadways and all sorts of other things. Um, but yes, he's very fascinating, very Louisiana. To me, epitomizes also the, the spirit of going out there and, and making it happen. You know, he made a lot of things happen in Louisiana and, and um, a lot of people, you know, at, supposedly at the time they either loved him or hated him, but he had, they accomplished a lot. Their history is fascinating. I love Earl, Earl Long and then uh, Blaze Starr with the ties to, um, she was the burlesque dancer uh, in New Orleans on Bourbon Street. I mean, you have like, they, they were so Louisiana. I mean, they came from a small parish um, in Louisiana, uh, Baton Rouge. They did so much for Baton Rouge. You know, he created the, uh, Huey Long created the, uh, LSU Stadium, mm -hmm. 
there was Earl Long did the charity hospital there, the other governmental buildings, just so much. And in Baton Rouge and here, we have the bridges and the ties to um, play star, the famous dancer. I mean, it just encompasses the whole state and just all the interesting things that they did and accomplished. So I wanted to kind of embody that spirit, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's so wonderful. And it's very clear that you've you've done your research and you are very familiar with this, this essentially the namesake of your company because QEP Long's um, nickname was the Kingfish. You know, you talk about the old cars and the vintage vibe, you've got the old 1960s Rambler right out front. Um, what, can you talk a little bit, and I think you've touched on this already, but the vision for this space, I mean, it's incredible. I can't wait for people to see it, but what really, you know, when you were, when you were designing this space, were you just going to like vintage shops? What, how did, how did that all work? Well, a lot of it, I did start collecting from, um, different places. I did go to Mississippi, even to find uh, old antique signs. I wanted to give a, a look somewhat of an older, like say a grocery store of some sort, but definitely anything from the 30s through the 60s, because that was their their heyday. And I, I was trying to focus on the food aspect. So maybe food advertising signs and then anything car related, which ties into the oil and gas industry. So I want to tie all that together. Um, and then the 30s being uh, very influential with Huey Long and up through the 60s. Well, really, if you go with, or even with Russell Long is through the 80s. But I focus mainly between the 30s and the 60s because um, that's mainly Huey's time and Earl's time when they were very uh, prominent. And in the 30s, not only was Huey Long assassinated, but also there was prohibition. And prohibition was a very prominent time for cider. Our, the first cider, well, actually the first Perry that we make, which is a the pear version of uh, apple cider, uh, we named prohibition because it came out so dry too. So and it was our first one. So to celebrate prohibition, let's drink. <laughs> that is amazing. I, I think it is so much fun that, I mean, and that's what I love so much about this company. And I'm sure people are gonna hear me say how much I love this over and over again. But one of the things about your business that I so enjoy is just this, like, there's just this sort of like lightness to it. It's so much, it, it's so much fun. Like you go into this space and it seems like you had a really good time pulling all these different pieces together to create this, this aesthetic. And then also the fact that you've done so much research with prohibition and with cider, with Huey P. Long and his family. Um, it's just really great. I'm so excited about that. <laughs> Thank you. And I have a lot of connections with uh, a lot of the local artists and that's come from over the years of here. And I volunteer at, uh, for art against AIDS. I'm one of the, on the art committee that procures for the, um, uh, the art auction. So over the years, I've gotten to know and collect a lot of local art. So I used um, my resources and they helped bring this place together. Um, Brent Housengay did the roll-up door in my car. And then uh, Benjamin Bullins from the Benjamin Collection created a lot of the, uh, he fabricated a lot of the pieces for the inside space like the tables are made out of old bowling alley floors that he got. 
and he used, I found parts for a 1930s Chevrolet and gave them to him to make uh, different things out of. So he used the running boards or what Kingfish is uh, put on on the back bar. And then we used the trunk from the car as the menu. So that's an old 1930s red Chevrolet trunk that's up there that he then put a chalkboard paint on it so we could write the menu out. So, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of just fun, neat things. Like I have a, you know, some old tailgates. The lighting is from an old theater and I think it came from a place on the West Bank. So that's all, it's actually all local. And he told me the bowling alley too, but I don't remember. But that was local to the area that they were demolishing. So he got that. So yeah, it's just fun. It's like old local stuff too that was probably there, you know, in the 60s or even older maybe. Who knows? Uh, maybe Huey Longbold there. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. How cool would that be? <laughs> <laughs> That is really neat. Well, we've talked about the vibe and I really, I feel like I could talk about the space and all of the artwork and all of the different vintage pieces in there for like hours just by that alone. But I really want to also talk about the product, the cider. And I, I wanted to ask you, once you knew that you wanted to open a cidery, had you had any experience making cider before that or beer or anything like that? Or were you just like, I'm going to open a cidery? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. No, I had no experience at all. Um, we were sitting in an Austin cidery, and I was just, I was kind of in, enraptured by the whole thing. It was just so neat. Um, it's such a nice experience. I was like, gosh, this is so nice. And it's just a little different from a brewery. I always say that cidery is kind of maybe not as snooty as a winery could be, you know, but maybe a little, a little bit more uh, fun or somewhere in between like a winery and a brewery. And it's just kind of an interesting atmosphere. And I tried to, to do that here with the Louisiana flair, but uh, yeah, so I was there having um, some of their ciders and it was just such a, a great experience. I was like, you know, we just really need to have something like that. And I always wanted to be on the forefront of, of something like Oh, well, something like this. So um, I just started thinking about like, oh, I could, I just started thinking of the plans for it. And I was like, well, that's all good. I have ideas for names and what it could look like, but can I make it? Would it taste good? Would I like to make it? Those are the, <laughs> the really important questions too. So there are um, cider and Perry uh, classes that are taught. Um, like in New York and in Washington State. And they're offered uh, various times throughout the year. So I, I found the class in Washington State and went up there and they have a program. It's like the only program in the United States that actually has a dedicated faculty member at the Washington State University who does nothing but study cider. Um, and they have their own little orchard back there with some of the traditional trees. It's a really great course. I spent a week up there and they, they teach you everything just about and a lot of stuff so it was a bit overwhelming it's it kind of scared quite a few people off from going any further than just making it at home because it's a, a pretty daunting thing especially when you get into like the federal taxes because they they shared all that good stuff with us um not that we understood it but you know it was there so i learned from them 
but just enough really just to to get started. I really had to spend many months on it on my own, making them and trying them. I tried different yeast, different companies um, where I would get uh, the different supplies from because different companies like say, you know, you use one, say Treetop is a, is a big one that uh, supplies different uh, fruit concentrates and stuff to mix and, and all that tastes way differently than somebody else's. So I tried all the companies that I could and all the different yeasts and tried to, and it just took a, took a while. Um, Cause this has been over three and a half years ago. So I spent quite some time just toying with it, trying to figure it out, find out what I liked. And then NOLA on tap, I did the home brewing section for two years. So I was like, okay, I like to do this. I think it tastes good, but let's see what other people think. So I did the home brewing section and, and they were pretty excited about it too because I was the only cider there, um, the only local cider. I think they probably had some of the national brands. Definitely the only one making it locally in the home brewing section. So we got really good feedback both years, sold out really fast. Not that we make the money, but it was the SPCA because it's all donations, but it all went very quickly. I mean, people would come up to me and say, when are you open? Where are you open? Where are you located? And we're like, well, we're trying to work on that. And, like, and I had one uh, lady said, we need you here now. You know, <laughs> so I got really good feedback. So it's they're like, oh, this is so, so different, you know, because it's not anything like what you normally have out there. It's just, it is different. So um, it was very good. It was very good feedback. And it, and it just told me like affirmed, reaffirmed what I was hoping to hear. And um, it's like, okay, I'm going to try this. I love that you just had an idea and that you decided I'm going to do this. And you have spent the last three and a half years, like bringing this dream to life, which is I think what entrepreneurship is all about, it starts with an idea and then, you know, the ones that make it are the ones that just have a lot of grit and perseverance. And it sounds like that is exactly what happened with you. And it's really, it's such a fantastic success story to hear that now you're here, you're almost open at the time of that this podcast airs, you will officially be open. So talk a little bit about what it, what it means to you to, to be on the cusp of opening this business to the public and bringing people through through the doors of this building that you've been working on for quite some time. I have a little anxiousness about it. You know, you're like, it's kind of like throwing a party and is everybody gonna come? Or you know, <laughs> what, what's gonna happen? Um, there's still things that we're not sure are gonna, how it's gonna play out because we are in a different area. We're not um, repeating things that have been done over and over, even like, because the breweries that are in Orleans Parish, they're all in a row practically. You know, I'm sure they're all quite similar as far as like their hours and, and the crowds that they expect. We're in a completely different spot. We're offering a different type of, of beverage and an experience. You know, what's going to be the peak hours here? I don't know. We, you know, so we're real open to, to trying to see how it plays out and and maybe adjust our hours and our days accordingly so it's going to be it's going to be interesting because there there are things we just don't know so you kind of have to just be mindful and try to see how it plays out so it is a little nerve-wracking because it's not i'm not opening something that's 
been done so many times before that you almost have just, you know, a checklist. You can go, yes, yes, yes. And it's like success. So um, there's a good bit of anxiety there, but it, it is exciting. Um, at the same time, it's kind of hard to believe that it's finally happening because it's taken so long. And I've had quite a few obstacles to get here, but um, yes, we are here. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it all goes well, and everybody still loves it as much as they did on tap or even more, because uh, we're able to offer even more things than we were before. It's a little different process too, definitely making it from uh, home brewing to here. So that's you know going to be a little bit of adjustment too. I think it's kind of like a, a new restaurant where sometimes it doesn't quite taste the same as it did before, but you know, you work out all the kinks to get it perfect. It does taste good though, I will say that, but yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's delicious. I also, as a fun fact, I, I know I mentioned to this, this to you, but I'm originally from a very small town of Pennsylvania and the only thing in this town was literally like an apple orchard. And so people would come from all over this one time of the year for an apple festival. So I've always, I always had the cider that was like, you know, just regular cider without the alcohol <laughs> yeah. like but you know I I love a good I love a good cider and so it's really exciting that this is something that exists in Jefferson Parish and I think it's very important to note here that you are really pioneering the way for cideries in Jefferson Parish and around the region but also I mean this is really the first brewery tap room type of business to open in Jefferson. Um, so what, what does that mean for you? I mean, I know it's, it, it, it's a little bit daunting, but to be first, what is that like? <laughs> that, that's probably like the best part. Cause I love the idea that we're here and especially with Jedco so accepting and Jefferson Parish was so accepting because I live over here. I wanted to open over here too. Um, cause I know I, I see what's going on and it's, uh, it's a great area and it's even getting better all the time and it's underserved and yet so quick to everything else. I mean, we're just, we're right here on River Road around the bend from Leak and the whole River Bend area of Orleans and uh, very accessible to Ochsner to Tulane and Loyola there within like 10 minutes if if that much. So it, it's really, it's great and um, Jefferson Parish has been easy to deal with and so many people I've I've talked to actually that have owned some other businesses and some of them are I think are actually looking for spots over here so might be starting a trend and they've kind of come to me and and asked me about it as well so I think it's good too because it's gonna being the first people will see and and um at least the people as far as with the parish or I mean you can call up zoning folks get them right on the phone and they're they're so super nice and easy to deal with it was just that part was super easy. That yeah. that's wonderful. And you we hear that from business owners a lot that Jefferson Parish is just has a really uh, we're a very business friendly community. Business is so important to us. We know that small businesses are the backbone of our economy. We know that. And our parish president and our parish council, our administration, all of our departments know that too. And so we're all working in the same direction for the same good of our community and our economy. And, and I, I, I do think we had over the years been trying to place an increased focus on ensuring that there is zoning appropriate for breweries and cideries and distilleries and that kind of thing. So it's, it really is 
for us as an organization that has been focused on this kind of work to see a cidery now opening in our community that is really, really exciting for Jedco. Um, and while we're talking about Jedco, I also want to mention that Jedco provided you with a loan to help you start up. So uh, how, how did you how did you hear about us and how did you use the loan? I heard about you all through a friend who uh, used you all for, um, his name is Sean Temple, and he started a, I think it's an after school, like a kid's so, uh, baseball league of some sort, I think, or camp or something like that, because uh, he heard me talking uh, about trying to open and, and what resources might be out there. He's like, hey, you know, I went to Jedco and they totally helped me uh, get started on this camp for the baseball for kids. It's like, oh, okay, well, that sounds good. Cause I mean, I totally just didn't know where to go. Like, do you just go to a bank and just show up one day? I don't know. You know, it's kind of a weird thing too, because a lot of people sometimes don't want to deal with you unless, well, you know, I've been in the brewery industry for 30 years, you know, unless you can say something like that, they don't even want to hear from you. And this is my first business. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. So from the get go, when I'm, I called and um, I met with, uh, with Kate Wendell, it was just, it was so easy. It was great. I mean, nothing but wonderful and great help. And so the loan um, paid for the fermentation tanks, mainly and the equipment and the build out of the space. So everything that the contractor had to do with, um, well, creating the bar area. And when you have the tanks in there, you have to have um, plumbing that's suitable and the, the drains in the floor drains uh, and you like slip the floor down. So you have to reconfigure the floor and all sorts of good stuff. So it was a, you know, a, a good bit of expense to, to build it out. And, and the equipment's, not cheap either, so and it, it requires a lot of things. And sometimes you get a piece of equipment, and don't realize, oh, you need another piece of equipment, like a keg washer, which costs around ten thousand dollars. Also needs an air compressor, which you don't really realize till later, and that's almost two thousand dollars. So you know, it just kind of builds from there. That is one thing that we always like to share with business owners and you know, especially small business owners, startup companies, so that Jedco has these non-traditional gap financing options that really can help a business get started. And and we've heard from some business owners and it's always really, really gratifying to hear this, that that they couldn't have done it if they didn't have us. And that, you know, to me is, is why we do this work. Absolutely true because um... I had the loan and luckily I, I had some other ways of getting money too on my, for, my, for myself because uh, there's been a lot of, of extra things that come up. So even past the initial what you have uh, quoted and what you plan on buying, there's going to be a lot more too. So definitely have a cushion as well <laughs> if you can uh, or, you know, maybe build that more even more into the loan with, uh, with Jedco. But yes, there's no way I could have done it without Jedco at all. That is, that's wonderful. That, well, we're, we're proud that we are able to help you and support you and, and seeing what you have built is just incredible. I really, I've said this already. I'm probably going to say it like five <laughs> more times. I cannot wait for people to see this place. It is so, so, so cool. So when somebody comes to your tap room, 
what uh, what products are you serving up right now? What what is available to people? Now we have just four ciders, but I want to have uh, five in total. And when I say cider, I, I mean Perry as well. Um, so we have two versions of my Perry, and we have a dry Perry. Huey Perry is the medium sweet. Prohibition is the very dry version. We have Blanche, which is a very dry apple cider, and Uncle Earl named after Earl K. Long, um, is a hopped dry apple cider. So that has hops in it. For those people who like hops, you'll smell it, you'll taste it to some degree, but it's not gonna be uh, like that bitter aftertaste with the IPA, and it's light. We're gonna get more into, as we're, once we get going, um, introducing some fruit ciders. One of the main ones I wanna have, which is in the works, and it's probably gonna be rotating seasonal ones as fruit is available, uh, like we have Blaze Starberry, that is a strawberry apple cider. That will be one that comes into play. Uh, we have uh, the Two Roses, which will be a rosé cider, which we might offer frozen as well. We have a frozen drink machine, so we are going to make frozen ciders. To decide just which ones we're going to do frozen as well. And then, uh, so when you come in, you have the choice of the four cider parries, uh, five hopefully soon. And then, uh, so normally I'll keep three rotating Louisiana only craft beers on, on tap uh, right now because I have eight taps and I don't have the fifth cider, I'm having four and four. So uh, trying to only do Louisiana beverages even if they're not mine. So the Louisiana craft beers and then, um, so you can buy a flight. You can either buy a glass of those or you can buy them in uh, to-go cans or a flight of four. And you can either choose the ciders or the beers and or mix them up. So you can get a little sampling of all of them. Cause I'm trying to get some different of the craft ones too. Uh, some ones that you don't necessarily see everywhere. Help support the little guy. So trying to help all the little Louisiana craft uh, people, trying to help them uh, get out there too. So we're also making cider cocktails and trying to use only, again, Louisiana made alcohol. So we're using 7-3 for uh, some of our cocktails and um, some of the other Louisiana distilled spirits as well. And we do offer as well, um, like Cajun Fire, they are, uh, you know, minority owned and one of the few in in the United States and in the South, especially. Uh, we have them, they come in cans only though. And uh, we have St. James cheese, a uh, little cheese offerings, because uh, cheese and cider are, are a thing very much so in those pairings. And we have you know, little salamis and stuff like that we've gotten from St. James cheese. So we're selling those as well. We will be getting uh, food trucks is on the the list of things to come. Yeah. So there's lot, lots of different options. Really excited to try the the ciders, the 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 apple cider, the the pear the pear cider. Those sound really um, really neat. And I I love that you have tried to keep them as Louisiana um, focused as you can. Even though you, I think you told me this yesterday that the apples and the pears have to come from somewhere else in the country just because we don't grow those down here. <laughs> Right, exactly. But we have everything else that we need, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you are one of the only 
woman owned, I mean, it's a woman owned cideries, woman owned distilleries in the US. I mean, it's a pretty small percentage of, of people that are women who are, who fully own this type of business. That's amazing. Can you talk about that? Well, it, it is, it is different. I mean, um, usually, um, most breweries or even cideries, there might be a, you know, a couple that own them or predominantly just a, a male owned, especially in the brewing industry. Um, most of the, the breweries are, are solely, fe- solely male owned. There's not a whole lot of female alcohol producers in, in the nation. For cideries, a, a lot, there are more owned by women than any other, I would say, alcohol uh, creator. Um, so there are some, you know, scattered throughout the United States, but of course we really don't have any cideries, uh, locally much at all in, in the South. Um, the most where, where they're most heavily, uh, situated, I would say is like Austin and Dallas and Atlanta. That's where they have multiple, uh, there, but, um, yeah, so, so I mean, they're, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of cool to, to do that, um. It's been challenging. I think it actually is a little bit more challenging for women. Um, I went through four commercial real estate agents. You know, I'm not really sure why it was so hard for me to have an agent. And also with some of the places I went to, to try to rent, there were some, I don't know, you kind of got led down an interesting path. I do think there's probably more uh, of a a hardship of a woman, especially just coming into the industry and trying to do something different. Maybe this is a springboard for the next question, which would be what is your best business advice that you might give to aspiring entrepreneurs and maybe specifically female entrepreneurs? You have to be tenacious for sure. there's a lot I did not expect. Like I didn't expect it to be as hard with the commercial real estate agent. That was the first part because it took me a year to find the spot and I was very specific on where I was looking. Um, So it was kind of easy in a sense though, because if you're um, the agent, you know exactly where you're looking and what you're looking for. And when something pops up, it's like, hey, here you go. Um, But yeah, the finally, the final agent I got was fabulous. He was very helpful and he, he came from the restaurant industry. So he actually had a lot of good input and advice. So he wasn't just trying to stick me into a building. He had thoughts on like, how would this work in a restaurant hospitality type industry? Uh, So that was great. So I finally wound up with somebody great. (laughs) So that was a long trial. So it was very strange. It's like, why can't I get somebody to work with me? Um, that was the first big, big hurdle. And then after that, it's very uh, difficult dealing with um, permits, uh, understanding the laws behind it all, because um, you wind up learning things that you didn't realize you were going to have to learn. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't realize I'm going to have to be an expert at this, this, and this, you know. <laughs> you think, well, I need to understand business and then the product I'm selling, but you go into so many other directions. So get help where you can would be my advice. 
and then try to find a really good agent <laughs> um, for looking at that space because that's not as easy as you would think it would be. Um, but yes, help from whomever and wherever you can. Um, your friends, you know, whatever resources, like, like Jedco is a great resource. Um, I could call you guys up and ask questions about, you know, different aspects of starting it up or where, you know, I'm having difficulty here. What do you recommend? You know, and sometimes uh, you guys set up um, showings at places and help me along before we, I even started to get an, a, a commercial real estate agent. So another great resource, Jedco. Yes. <laughs> I Thanks. can't say that enough. Because it helped me all along, you know, and I think that was really helpful too because I mean, I was having to figure out a lot on my own, but I feel like I had support. Mm -hmm. It's difficult, especially when you're doing something completely new and I couldn't go anywhere else in town, really, or close by to um, get advice. I did uh, reach out to uh, the nearest person doing exactly what I, I'm trying to do uh, was a cidery in Mississippi and he I got I, we became friends and he came down and he helped train us on a lot of the stuff because you get all this equipment too and it's just here's the equipment figure it out because it's kind of like going from like being a, a home chef and then deciding oh I'm gonna package up my food and send it off or or just you know open a restaurant I don't know about for like cooking but that'd probably be a little closer but when you're going from home brewing which is in a three-gallon carboy to a fermentation tank, it is very different. And it's a completely different experience how you clean it, how what you clean it with, um, the whole nine yards. And so we just reached out to who we could and got help where we could. So luckily that that did work out eventually. It was a bit frustrating at first because like, how does any of this stuff work? Because people are totally willing to sell you things, but not that's when it comes to how it works or even setting it up correctly it's like here you go here it is yeah. no we don't even have a manual for you so i don't know what's happened to manuals these days but um yeah they're not even online Jeez. i'm used to finding them online sometimes but now now it's like well all right i i know that this is an experience that many entrepreneurs have many people who are starting up which is just you're experiencing and learning that you need to know so much more than you thought you needed to know and you need to become an expert in just about everything which is <laughs> which is like not whenever you're starting a business and you have like stars in your eyes and these big dreams you're not necessarily thinking about how you're going to have to figure out how to clean a product, you know, like it, it, there's just, there are a lot of like little nitty gritty details, um, especially with something like this or with a, you know, the restaurant industry where you, you don't always think about what you're going to need to know. And then you learn it as you go along. And then here you are opening your business, having learned all of this stuff and you have all of this knowledge now. <laughs> so why? <laughs> well, I feel like I'm learning something new every day. So it's definitely a lot of growing and you definitely have to be ready to be hit with a lot because it's, it is definitely going to hit you from different ways that you didn't expect. Like all of a sudden you feel like you have to be an electrician because the electrician that you did have didn't do something correctly. And, uh, 
you have to figure out what happened. So, yeah. <laughs> well, what is your favorite part about the work that you do? Why is this, what, what gets you out of bed every morning? Um, I, I just like the whole idea of it. Um, just down from not only just like creating the beverage and I like coming up with the ideas and the recipes to just the, the atmosphere, the, um, just the, well, the entire concept really. Cause I think of it as a, like a whole package deal. Like not only, you know, you're tasting some, something that's fun, but hopefully you're having fun while you're there, that it's not just, you know, a cardboard box you come into, you know, it's all, it's not just generic. It's an all around experience. So yeah, I, I just, I like, I like all of it really. I love the place. Um, it turned out really well. I got a lot bigger place than I had planned, than I planned to, and that I really even needed. So I have room to grow and so hopefully we will grow. So that's great. Um, and so it was, it was really interesting planning out the space. I enjoy um, probably decorating and buying signs and furniture way too much. So <laughs> that's been a lot of fun and art. Um, I'm kind of an, I think I have, a, a, I'm addicted to art. I can definitely say that. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, and I, I can see, I mean, you definitely have a very artistic eye. Um, the space is just really, really neat and beautiful. And just everything about it that I've seen is just so well done. Um, last question, uh, hopefully the easiest question, which of uh, the ciders that you make is your favorite? Do you have a favorite? I do. Um, it has been, it's vacillated though, because, um, you know, until we, I think we get it down just perfect. Um, I loved glazed strawberry because that was the strawberry cider, but um, I've used different growers from Ponchatoula. And so with the different growers and the different strawberries, they tasted differently each year. So that's a little, it's a little thing that like, I want to try to find like the best, well, the farm that I go with that, you know, has the strawberries that taste the way I want them to. Like the last batch I did um, last year when I was trying to figure out, you know, like I'm trying to find a, a supplier. Um, the strawberries were a little on the tart side, whereas the ones I had the year previous year were a little bit on the sweeter side. Um, none of my ciders are very sweet though. And so there's no added sugar. It's all just what comes from the, um, the apples and the pears. Um, and then, you know, the strawberries or whatever I might add to them. But I'm not adding any. So a lot of the bigger companies, you'll see if you read the ingredients, they say like brown sugar and all that stuff. So everything's gluten-free, uh, no added sugar, sulfite-free. Everything's very, you know, clean. I like to try to keep them, keep it clean. Uh, but I love, I'll probably have to say that my favorite is actually the Perry, and you do not see Perry that much. So, and that's something that I found very unusual. Um, even when I went to the class, the last day in the workshop, we went to uh, somebody's up there who had their own little orchard, and they were making cider on their own, and uh, it was the first time I had Perry, because though they talked about Perry in class, we really didn't discuss it we 
we didn't make it. We only kind of discussed it as kind of like, oh, yes, and, you know, you've got pairs, too, and you can make Perry the same way, basically. But we we didn't go past that. And so um, he offered a Perry at his uh, his place, his tasting room. And I had that. I'm like, this is better than apple cider. Why is everybody not making Perry? It's like you don't you can't find it anywhere. So and that's one thing I really hit on. And, and Huey Perry is my my. I'd say my flagship drink. So to me, Perry is is better than apple cider. So it's, it's just different. But yeah, you'll have to come and try it yourself and, and decide. But yeah, I'm just very surprised that Perry's just not really made that much. You just can't find it that much. Yeah, I had actually never heard of Perry until I talked with you. And like you said, I'm very excited to try it. So um, where can people find you? Uh, are you on social media? What, what's your website? Share, share the details with us, please. <laughs> I do have a website, kingfishcider.com. Um, not a whole lot going on there. Going to make a little bit more robust as we have more things to say. But uh, most of what I do is on Instagram. But I'm on Instagram and Facebook, all Kingfish Cider. Gotcha. Well, we will share those uh, links in our show notes as well so that people can easily find you. Is there anything you'd like to share that I haven't asked? Got a billboard going up pointing the way and some signs pointing the way too. We're not too buried in the industrial uh, zone Um, and we're fairly easy to find. So hopefully, yeah, people will come. People want to have cider, but you know, even if you don't have, um, if you don't have, well, you need a designated driver. We've also found uh, there is sort of a growing trend of uh, non-alcoholic beer. I don't know if you've or if you've heard about that, but um, some beer, there's two companies especially that have evidently perfected a way of making beer and then somehow removing the alcohol from the beer. So what? yes, I, I know it's. Uh, I haven't tried one yet, but I have friends who swear that it's just great and they love it. So um, we are offering that as well. Oh, so yeah, so we have the um, non-alcoholic beer uh, right now from Wellbeing and we're seeing about getting it from Athletic. So these are like the two biggest companies that do it and they make yeah, beer without alcohol somehow. So, um, so there's yeah. something for everybody at it your really space. Is. There is. <laughs> and yet it's not like a whole lot of stuff, you know, it's not overwhelming like you know, you got a Taco Bell. I always complain about Taco Bell's menu. You're <laughs> like, what is that? It's like too much. I can't read all this. You know. Yeah, you've um, got choices, but not too many choices, just enough choices. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm really just so excited to hear how people are receiving this space and so excited for you to really get to experience customers coming into your space. It is has been such an absolute pleasure talking with you about all of this today. I feel like we could talk forever. This is just so interesting to me, but I will let you go because I know you have things to do. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you for being on our show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great. Perfect. I appreciate you. All right. A special thanks to Colleen for taking time out of her incredibly busy schedule to be on the show. We highly recommend you go check out this fantastic facility, try the ciders, experience the old-timey aesthetic, enjoy a cocktail with friends. It's a great gathering space in our community. 
hours and drink options are on the Kingfish Cider website, which we will share in our show notes alongside a link to Jedco's financing options. If this is your first time tuning into the show, there are plenty more episodes where this one came from. Our episodes are released on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite shows. If you like our podcast, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review. These reviews help others find our show and listen in. It's a huge help. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. You can also find us on LinkedIn and you can visit our website at jedco.org. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at casegram at jedco.org. I love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here soon.